Hello and welcome to MiceCast. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta start over. My that voice, was lame. My voice, oh, my voice, cares. <laughs> my voice cracked. <laughs> All right, let me puberty. Yeah, finally. All right, hang on. Here we go. I should just kept it going. Oh, shut up. Hello and welcome to MiceCast. <laughs> I'm thinking about. It. <laughs> See, now it's even better. Just let the shtick run. Just oh shit! Shit. Okay. Uh, here we are. <laughs> Um, Mike, uh, Mike's, uh, you know, just dropped. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, he's hitting puberty right now. Finally. Uh, you know, my uh, son, who's in the fifth grade, just saw a film on that, so he can tell you all about it, Mike. Okay. Because, yeah, I don't remember those painful days, right? Uh, all right, so um, what we're going to do today is we're going to revisit the give a day, get a Disney day thing because... Yeah, hopefully that won't take too long. All right, well, there's an... There's an email, but all right. Well, anyway, to set up, when we had talked about this last or first, you know, I was uh, skeptical that they'd be able to uh, serve everyone who wanted to volunteer, right? Because we were going through the website. Do you remember? And a lot of the uh, a lot of the opportunities didn't have the ages listed right, or it was sold out already. Do you remember? That, oh, I, that, I totally remember that, that, and I have a hard time believing they, they filled the million with all those kind of holes in the program, and um, I'm not saying Disney's lying. I'm, I'm just real skeptical of the success or not success. I, I'd say the bar was fairly low, a million people, but, you know, whatever. All right, well, um, back in uh, the beginning of this month, I got an email from a dude uh, in Oregon and he described his whole process and how actually pain-free it was for him. And and when we talked on the phone, I said it was like five days. It was more like two weeks. Really? <laughs> well, uh, oh, uh, yeah, eight plus four days, 12. Okay. 12 days. All right, so I'm going to um, – I'll read this to you guys, right? It's it's rather lengthy. Lengthy? Rather lengthy. All right, my, uh, MiceCast. I like your, your critique of the free tickets for volunteering, volunteering promo Disney has going. But it is hard doing so and not coming off looking like heartless bastards. But then again, maybe you are heartless bastards. We're giving the we year. Are. We are. <laughs> maybe you are heartless bastards. We're giving the year of a million soup kitchens a positive spin. Kungaloosh. I thought I would let you know the experience of the program that we had as a family. Let's break down the contestants. Wife, myself, daughter, age 11, and son, age 9. Contestants? Yeah. <laughs> we, live in a small, we live in a small town in Oregon, really just a glorified bathroom stop on I-5 on the way to Portland or Seattle. Our motivation was to get free tickets, period. Save me a seat for the next Heartless Bastard meeting. <laughs> we were, slash are, going to be going close to the parks one day at the end of spring break, and we were not going to shell out 250 bucks for one day at one park. I wasn't sure we could do this program one month out, but why not try? My attitude? Doubtful. I checked the Disney Volunteer website February 20th, 2010. I did not expect there to be very many opportunities for a family unit like ours, and the website did not disappoint. There were just a few possibilities, and they each of, and they each of those sounded like something that we would have to put our name down, and they would call us when they jolly well wanted to. We found one that called for volunteers age six and older with parental supervision to clean a house. The kids do house cleanup as part of their daily chores, so that might be a good fit. I signed up, and an hour later received a message that the organization that we signed up to work for would slash should call us within the next four days. Good so far. 
Oh, that's pretty darn yeah. quick. I got a call from the organization two days later. The person asked when we would like to volunteer. I told her that weekends work best, but we could squeeze in a night during the week. She said to name a time we'd like to arrive to do three hours of work this Saturday, and she would get us signed up. I told her 1 p.m. That afternoon, I received an email from Disney and their volunteer partner to get our info and volunteer agreement in order. Five, five minutes later, we were official, attitude, better, but cautious. So look at that. In one day, he'd already got signed up. What day of the week was February 20th? Just out of curiosity. And that was with a family, too. Yeah. Okay, so that was a Saturday. February 20th, Saturday. So sounds like he went the, the following week, right? I called the people at the house we were going to help clean, and they said they would get a confirmation from Disney and call us to confirm our volunteer time on Friday. Friday came, and so did our four confirmation emails and the phone call I was promised. They said, be prepared to clean for three hours, and all we needed to do was show up, and the supplies would be ready for us. All I could think of is that I wish things at work could be handled so well. I was still thinking they were going to frack this thing up somehow, but I was really quite happy with everything so far. I wish there had been more opportunities out there, but really, don't you need just one? And a little luck. We arrive at a house for developmentally disabled... My, my dentures are falling out. We arrive at a house for developmentally disabled adults that needed some cleaning in their kitchen area. It wasn't shit house dirty, but it needed some work. They had a punch list of things to do, and they said that most of the people didn't finish their list, so if three hours comes and goes without finishing the list, don't feel obligated to finish. The manager at the house left, and we went right to work. The nice thing about this task is that there's cleaning to be done at all height levels, so the kids were never standing around looking for something to do. We gave them breaks, but every half hour, they did just fine. With about 10 minutes left, we only had two things left on the list. The manager came in and asked if we'd like a tour of the facility. My wife and I finished the list as the kids got to go around the house and meet some of the people. They got back. All done. Thank you very much. Sign right here. Here are little gift bags for your children. Have a nice day. Attitude. Tired, dirty, and happy. Very positive. March 1st, I get an email thanking us for the work that we'll be getting vouchers in the next two weeks. Everything is good so far. Still crossing my fingers. But I know how two weeks can often turn into two months, and so it goes. Attitude, I'll believe it when I see it. Today, March 4th, I opened my inbox to a download link to print off our vouchers. I print them off and we're done. So from the time I first started looking into the program to sign up to the time I had vouchers, four total in my hands was 12 days. Three hours of volunteer work and maybe an hour total online. I'm very happy with the experience. If small town BFE can get, done, <coughs> get this done like this, I think it should be just as easy in a city where you can't count all of the traffic signals on one hand. I know this is just one family's experience, and I'm sure there are some horror show experiences out there as well, but this is what is from the experience of a non-DF. And he, wow. had, and he had a strategy question at the end, but it's not kind of pertaining to... Yeah, that's that's really cool. I'm oh, glad Ross, this is thanks to Keep the Great Podcast, Ross in Oregon. So he had the freaking, I would say, ideal experience, wouldn't you? Yes. And, and on top of that, this is what I was talking about way back when. Okay, this might not have been something that they would have necessarily volunteered for in the past, but it gave them this opportunity and maybe open a viewpoint on horizons that they might not necessarily looked at in the past if it wasn't for this opportunity. So I think that's what the, what Disneyland or, or Disney Company, I, I should say, because it's a company, it's not just the one park. But I think the Disney, well, Disney Company, this is what they were trying to do is just maybe open us open our eyes up to other areas and other uh, ideas going around your own community. 
Yeah, it's. I don't think it's a bad idea, but here it is, March, and the promo's over. Well, yeah, I'm looking for the email that said the exact date that they shut that sucker off. Well, when was the exact date it started? January 1st. Okay. So, I mean, think about that. You're thinking, well, maybe I can't volunteer now. I plan on doing it during my summer vacation. Yeah, well. You're, you're, you're SOL. Correct. At, at the moment, yeah. Um, there's nothing to say the company won't do something again like this, but, yeah, you're SOL for right now. Yeah, I was told last week uh, by some of the people that were with the volunteers, the uh, Disney uh, company volunteering group that with the cast members and employees of the Walt Disney Company, that they had already reached their one million mark as far as outside help. They were still recruiting people within the company to continue with the uh, give a day, get a day uh, program that's within the company as well. All right, Greg, you know, um, that email from Conrad talks about the how they're ending, and that came on the 9th. That was dated March 9th that Disney sent out to their network partners that ending the give a day, get a day Disney, get a Disney day program. So yeah, I, that I'm was, trying, that I'm was, trying to figure out how that, that worked for him. About two, two months. Well, okay. That. You know, regardless of how it worked for their boys and girls clubs of that he was working at, I'm just saying he, he forwarded us the mail from, from Disney saying we're done. <laughs> No, I got that. I, I, I would be curious to know, as far as the partners that uh, received the uh, additional help, like the uh, this home for uh, developmentally disabled adults, did they actually get more of a response uh, with the help of the volunteer program, more so than they would have normally throughout the year? Uh, you know, I, I, I think so. Or will will it now leave a big hole? Well, here's here's funny is that um, in this in this email it says you know though the give a day get a Disney program has come to an end and no additional free theme park tickets will be made available, Hands On Network can continue to connect you with volunteers and your resources for helping achieve your organizational mission. That's so funny. You know, I, it's not that I didn't think this was a good idea. It's just um, I don't know. I think this is something that. If I was Disney, I would run all the time, but I wouldn't make it this big. I, I mean, they almost made it so big, splashy that you got to do it right now. You know, well, yeah, you should be doing it all the time, anyways. You know, it's one of those things that's it's hard to argue against because it's a good feely thing. But um, and I'm tired of all the other in-your-face promotions anyways. I'd like to just have a couple years of Nothing. spending the money in the parks some way. You know, either big new splashy parade, a big new ride, um, hey, wait a second. something old. Six, 15 years ago. Didn't, yeah. <laughs> wait, speaking of new new shows, right? Didn't we get a new fireworks show last year called Magical? <laughs> we did, right? Right? Yeah. Flying Dumbo? Uh... And what are they showing for pyrotechnics on the weekends now? Yeah, it went right back to the old one. <laughs> the 50th anniversary one, nice. Yeah, and and we we do have the new uh, water show that's coming out that oh. hopefully will not take the uh, mistake on the lake name. You know what I've seen of it? I, I I have seen some of the rehearsal and I've seen some of the footage that uh, they've been showing on promoting some of the rehearsal footage that they've that uh, they've shot on cast TV and. It, it looks pretty spectacular. Um, 
I, I would say it's going to go right there with the uh, phantasmic type of uh, great show. I know Greg sees a show once and doesn't care to see one again. That's but, that's not entirely true. I, but I I think it's a show that I'm going to definitely enjoy seeing a couple times during the summer and in the years that go on with it. I just am going to miss the not having the electrical. We had to give up the electrical parade to give it. So which is stupid. Well, well I, I don't see why they're sending it to um, to Disney World when they've got a better parade, anyways. Oh. Not anymore. Uh, Spectral Magic, I think, is going over to Paris. I, I okay. <clears throat> Just build another one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wait, wait, wait. We, we used to have two electrical parades. Exactly. Right? I was about to say. <laughs> didn't Magic Kingdom have their own at some point? Well, Magic Kingdom changed theirs to Spectral Magic. They used the same. Uh, the same floats and just added the fiber optics and the additional uh, uh, lighting and the computers on board. But it's I the same Paris, floats. I thought Paris already had some kind of show of their own. I don't know. I don't, I don't think they have, quote-unquote, the electrical parade or anything like it that hasn't been sent over there from the United States. I think uh, they obviously have parades and everything, but I don't think they have the, quote-unquote, the electrical parade. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but, but whatever. it's it's a little horse manure. But then again, I I've been waiting but, for a, an update similar to Spectral Magic out here. If they want to do something new and big and better, I, I know the uh, the Celtic Magic or whatever it was didn't go over so well. But Celtic but, Magic. But, but uh, you know, going back to the uh, give a day get a day, I go back to the same uh, comment about our, these folks in Oregon that. They felt good about it. They felt good about what they did. And this is probably something they wouldn't have gotten involved in if it wasn't for trying to get those Disney tickets. And I think um, it was a learning experience, at least for the kids. I wonder, too. Yeah, no, I think that's that's all good stuff. And uh, I wonder if his uh, story was unique. Was it easier in a small town because less people there to do things? Uh, I'm kind of curious uh, the demographics of the people who did volunteer, uh, and I, there's got to be some horror stories where you know the, it worked out right for him with the ages and the kids. But there's got to be somewhere it just didn't because like I looked, and it, you know the ages. My kids are older, but if I wanted to, let's say, set, was looking for you, Mike, there were some out here not so good opportunities. You know, it's, yeah, I you know I went to the website going, really nothing really. Well, I know there has to be a lot more people that listen to the show that that tr- tried or succeeded in doing their uh, give a day, get a day. And I'd encourage them all to uh, write and tell, you know, just briefly tell us what your experience was. Good, bad, indifferent? Did, I think we had a lot of indifferent people on our show that just, you know. But I, I'd like to hear anybody didn't really that, care. I don't yeah. know. I think we got a lot of people that might have, that might have tried it to get their free tickets. Uh, so, you know, give us a write and... Let's see, see what the story was. On, on this one, though, see, there was, I guess one thing they did remove from this was the um, annual pass holder, uh, didn't, uh, how would you say, uh, uh, quotation, quant, uh, you know what I mean, the, the, uh, quantity, what, what, you know, in the old promotion, I could show up my annual pass and get 50 or 60 bucks to go spend. Yes. Um, this one, 
it just gave me something I'm already paying for. The the quantifier. Quantifier. Thank you. So what would you do with that extra ticket? And I don't know how that how that ticket was used. Was it you know something that uh, he said he downloaded a voucher or something? Was that voucher only for you? Could you transfer yeah, that, it? That, that's an e-ticket, and no, they're not supposed to be transferable. I, I'm There's pretty sure they had. I'm pretty sure they had names on them. Yeah. So they, they, so there you go. Let's say I volunteered. I I don't need the ticket. So I volunteered just for volunteering. I mean, so in, in a way, they took out a lot of people out of the mix, right? That couldn't correct, benefit. Correct. Correct. And they also said if you're if you're an annual pass holder, and uh, you wanted to volunteer, you could get you can give your free tickets to somebody else. You could donate them. That was an okay. option. Okay, so there was there was a way to transfer them if you were an annual pass holder. That's the way I got it. Okay, so it was only available to do that to annual pass holders that 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 that's passed the, it on to someone else. That's the impression I got. Now I may be wrong, but that was the only situation where they actually said, "If you're an annual pass holder, you can transfer your volunteer your get a day ticket to somebody else." They never said that if you're not an annual pass holder, you can give your ticket to someone else. That never came up, right? Yeah. Well, here's how I kind of overall feel about this program. I wasn't you know necessarily thrilled with it. I didn't think it was a bad idea necessarily it's just an odd idea i think to compel people to volunteer in that way but you know if that's maybe that was the bug you know that they they would they could catch if they went and did it thinking oh this this isn't too bad you know i should do this more often but what is somewhat disappointing of it is it's over already you know if if we're going to go in the, the veins of the last few promotions that lasted multiple years uh, now we've been kind of let down. You, you splashed it all over. You tried to get it. I, I almost wonder if they didn't really expect to have it fill up this quick. No, I I think that this is kind of where they expected it to end. Was just be, although it might be true, not so early in the March, but I think they expected it to come to a conclusion prior to spring break. Because you know, it, it's I don't want to say it doesn't cost them anything, but this is a fairly um, minimal cost compared to some other promotions obviously there was television advertisement time there's administrative time which they're going to do anyways but in <clears throat> but all that stuff was probably deductible because of the volunteer nature of it they they pimped it uh, they pimped it on America's funniest videos too also deductible because it's advertising costs too. Yeah, I mean it was pimped all over the place and some of the commercials were re- remotely funny. They had the you know the the plumber dude from Desperate House Babes and uh, uh, or House Bitches or however you want to look at that. Yeah, I mean so there were there was you know some funny aspects to it but so what's I guess would be the bigger question is now what will follow next or will we go into that thing I've been waiting for which is blissful quiet Fix my park or Nothing, add something yeah. new. <laughs> you know, spend some money in a, in a different way. Who knows? Well, I think one of the big things is um, the marketing team that did the 50th anniversary and all that setup, and then did the initial run-up of the uh, Year of a Million Dreams at in uh, 2006 are gone. They they left in 2006. They were like, or I should say more accurately, they were let go in 2006, and then they went back to the old marketing teams that they had. Um, so, hence you you saw the the years of Kajillion dreams continue on and on and on and on, and now you do have the uh, volunteer program, 
and it is quieting down. It just doesn't seem to have the dynamics that you had back on the 50th anniversary. So. Well, when it's, it's obviously it's quiet. It's over. Well, I know, but I mean, you know, you, you still had a lot of the, at least within the company, when we were gearing up in 2004 for the 50th, you had a lot of uh, people really, yeah, your, what do you want to say, your pep rally type where everybody's getting jazzed up, ready for this new uh, this new year and this whole big celebration thing. Nowadays, you go around and it's like, yeah, it's just well, well, another yeah. day going on. There, there, there's, really there's nothing, nothing to, to look forward to. Is yeah, what you're nothing going on. Well, you you as cast members don't know what what's coming next. Kind of like back in the 80s and early 90s when I worked there, we, we knew the 35th was coming up. And then we knew when it got closer to the 40th, there'd be something. But in between, we kind of had some peace and quiet, and things got done, and people enjoyed the park. And no, but we'd have those yeah, local. Yeah, we'd have those no, local. <clears throat> yeah, you had the local stuff going on. You had yeah. the festival of Japan. You had the blast uh, of the past. Blast to, of the past. Circus yeah, but those those, those weren't uh, state fair. <laughs> I mean, they state were fair. I love yeah, state fair. They, they were advertised, but they weren't. You know, they weren't anything to the. Uh, the worldwide promotion of the, the no last. no and and that was the point they were local uh, yeah they were to drive yeah, local was, attendance yeah Disneyland was advertised and marketed for the quote unquote the Disneyland crowd same as Walt Disney World was advertised for the Walt Disney World crowd well, sure the the, and, the, and the food and wine thing is advertised basically for people who go and you, to you Florida. saw that very distinctly if anybody thinks back just ten years ago. It was very distinct between the two because, especially here in Southern California, because if you watch the local networks here, uh, the local channels, you saw the Disneyland ads, and that's all you saw. If you watched cable or satellite, you saw almost exclusively Walt Disney World ads because they're going to the larger market that's going in, in the east and the central states. They were going for the more different markets in both uh, Walt Disney World did their showcase to those type of markets, and Disneyland did its marketing and its showcase of parades and shows to its local market. And consequently, you had those shows like Blast to the Past and State Fair and all those because it was very localized and it was uh, um, and it, kind of... It was fun. It, 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 brought, it brought something different for that short time that it was around. Well, yeah, and we also had the Disney afternoon thing for a while. We, but th- did Florida run a lot of those? They had the food and wine. Food and wine's been around for a while. But short of that, I want to say they had a Japan festival, but I don't remember. I, I don't know if they had a lot of local stuff or they just oh. kind of carried on with their vacation kingdom of the world. You know, we don't need a lot of these kind of promos. But this goes into my problem that we have now is that everything is a national campaign. You can't have no, a no, no, no. It's not. It's, you can't have a Walt Disney World. Yes, you, you, you well, It is not. The the food and wine is is pretty much uh, Walt Disney World thing. There's that little kind of right. One and of, we, one and of we have food and wine here coming up in April at uh, California Adventure. Yeah, it's kind of a wannabe. It's still not. Um, well, it's, food it's, and wine. It's one third the size, so it's one third the size of the event. Now, I was about to ask: Is that coming up on West Fest weekend again? No, no, it ends, I believe. No, food and wine shall still be going. I thought it was, it might still be going because I think it starts like the 10th or the 18th of April. You know, you know what is that weekend? All I know is I'm on vacation when it starts. Yeah, so Richard Shaft has decided to shaft all, their, all the listeners and not be at West Fest. 
Yeah, I know. No, uh, now, now, let me explain what happened. We, I, I am a. You got, you got some splaining to do. I got some splaining to do. I am a cup master to my son's Cub Scout pack. We had a camping trip that we were supposed to do back in February that got rained out. And so when it was decided on when we were going to reschedule it, it ended up being scheduled on the same weekend as and West who, who decided that? Uh, the parents. This was the best for all concerned. The who, only, in fact, the, the only hey, one that you know what I just the saw the Congress do what was best for all concerned, and nobody agreed. <laughs> the only one that that couldn't make it that weekend was me. So consequently, I I, I do need to go on that weekend. So well, you, you just told them you couldn't. So yeah, but everybody else could, and they so? and, and one person or the other was uh, messed up on the other weekend. So you got to think it's about the children. And so I'm, I, so okay, I got, okay, I Jamie Lee Curtis. So I got, I got, I got to put. You know, Jamie Lee. Unfortunately, I do have to miss West Fest this year. Uh, I'll be uh, out in Anzaborego with a bunch of fourth, first, second, third, and fourth and fifth graders. You remember those Jamie Lee Curtis ads? It's not about. It's not tax. We were just doing yes, that with the other show. It's, it's not, not about taxes. taxes. It's about children. Um, and I and I just did the numbers for California. In the last ten years, we got one hundred and twenty-two billion dollars in credit card So charges, you you which you couldn't be liable okay, for, for a quarter of a trillion dollars. That's another show. You couldn't have done this a month later. No, because a month later we're going into uh, we got our graduation camping trip with the uh, troop that's would, already been. Would set. one less camping trip hurt the little punks? Yeah, yes, one less would hurt. If I go a month earlier. I go into Easter vacation, and everybody already had their plans. Okay, wait, wait. How, how, than that. how does it hurt? Does does the scouts have some requirement for amount of time out in the dirt? No, not in Cub Scouting. Um, but, you know, this was supposed to be our first camping trip, and I'd like to have at least more than one so, okay. camping well, it's, trip it's, for it's, the year. It's, it's all about you what and what you want, not about what the kids want necessarily. No, it's what the kids would like too. But uh, did they express that uh, need to you that they couldn't wait to a month later for the one that was the big one? They, they just they, needed this one. They expressed the desire that they wanted to go to the same campground that we went to last year, which is out at Tamaris Grove in Anza Borrego, which we cannot do the graduation at because it's a little too rugged and it's way too far to have any visiting scout troops come out to bridge. The Weeblos into their various. Well, yeah, I, I, I thought that's what scouting was all about—getting out with nature. Well, it is getting out with nature, but we need. But it's also, only it's only also. when it's convenient for the other no. scout troops. No, because in this particular case, this is a nice three-hour trip going out into the desert. While when we do the bridging and graduation ceremonies. We'll keep that down a little bit more local, whether right, whether it's here in Orange County or Riverside. Yeah, go camp in San Diego and Mission Bay. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, what we, we we've done usually done is uh, O'Neill Regional Park down in the uh, oh, yeah, that's, Santa Margarita, that's, right up on the that, foothills. Yeah, that's really out in the wilderness. Well, over the last year, we were right there at Pudding Stone Reservoir, and oh, we were attacked Stone. by about two dozen skunks. I said so that only, was an interesting camping trip. The only there. thing you got to worry about the one by Rancho Santa Margarita is all the cougars. Or, uh, yeah, we do have the lines. we do have the mountain lions out there, uh, but they rarely come into our particular area. We did have yeah. Tell 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 that to the guy that got knocked off his bike. They rarely come into that there, area. That that was Anaheim Hills. No, they had some down there too. Well, I know they have them, but I thought no, the, they, the they girl had that got no. hit by the oh, bike. No, no, no. no, no. The, 
the shoes up on Ortega, the girl that got jumped by the mountain lion. There, there were some attacks close to O'Neill, too. I got some friends that live, you know, just up. But in any case, uh, we had a deer that came through the campground a few years ago down there. I'm <sighs> getting chills just thinking about it. Yeah. And you get the occasional bobcat that might be sitting out there on the riverbed. Okay, so you're, sha- you're still, you're shafting the, the okay. West people. Food, right, man. food and wine is April 16th through May 31st, so... It will be It'll going be right on. in the middle of it all. And, and you know what else is our weekend again? Yes. Not again. Again? Yeah. Rat chats thing? No, 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 no. Not that dumb thing. Oh. Um, bat weekend. Oh. It's a, yeah, it's all the time. It's always like <laughs> the first weekend right there of May. Uh, well, it, okay, it is not. It, only last year did I think it coincide with West Fest. The previous time it was not on the same weekend. Um, so well, I don't, don't, don't say it always is because this will be two years in a row that bat weekend is in the same weekend as west fest so yeah uh it, and the the mice jack gumball rally is also that saturday oh, our, gumball our saturday yes oh bummer they moved it from the 30th uh 31st of may up to the first of may Bastards. i wonder if, i wonder if that little they did that on purpose probably i wonder if that little book writer kevin ye will be there I, I, you know, one of my friends and listener sent me this a while ago because he was encouraging me to write something better. Um, and I kind of perused it real quick and told him I'd started to read it. And I had read, you know, a little bit. But I, I finally set it in the throne room where I, you know, <laughs> can, can concentrate. And it's taken me like, you know, two days in the throne room with to, to, to get, you know, almost through this. I'm like five-eighths through it. This, he has to make those weird faces while I read. Yeah, them. yeah, exactly. This is the. Uh, it's, I, I I don't know. Maybe there's an audience for this drivel. Uh, I don't want to be too mean because I think in some ways, probably from his perspective, this is pretty good stuff. Um, and maybe because I was, you know, one of the privileged few. And when you think about the thousands and thousands of people that have worked at Disneyland, the percentage that have worked. And security is very minute. And then the percentage who worked like a shaft and I did on a graveyard with full access to every nook and cranny of the park is then exponentially even smaller. I read this claptrap and uh, some of his stuff is so wrong. And, he, you know, he's got this big following on my stage and he's this authority figure on Disney. And there's so much that is just fundamentally which book inc- is, which, incorrect in this book. Which book is it? Mousetrap. Oh, Memoir, Memoir of a Disney, Disneyland yeah. cast member. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, just, and, and then I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, maybe from his perspective, working in a food location, that, he, you know, he did his best shot at what he thought he knew, though it's incorrect. And I have to think it might be like listening to Shaft talk about outdoor vending with a passion that most of us wouldn't really give a crap about. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the, uh, the, uh, the frozen bananas are you know, hard as stone and people's tongue gets stuck to them. But that's a big deal for the outdoor vendors. You know, I, I, don't well, think- I, just, I just find those stories kind of funny and, oh, yeah, and, I, I, th- I think what you're going towards is, is it's very much like uh, what's his name K- David Cagney or Conan da- David Conan think, think, think of um, uh, Chekhov Walter Conan and Walter, well I thought his was K- pronounced K- I don't know if it's spelled anyways, the same but it's this way I regardless um, they're anecdotal stories which you know you 
talk about my stories from outdoor venue everything. They're anecdotal. Um, but the problem is, is okay, where are your facts? I mean, I can make a good story and it's, you know, give or take a lie or two. It, it's a good story. Um, <laughs> well, no, I think it's more of the lack of uh, perspective and a lack of real knowledge. I mean, you're seeing it from a very, very narrow point of view. But that's what I'm saying is it's he. They're telling so that, it's not, that's stories, not that's an, not what you said. But if but from it, but from an from a much narrower view than say your or my uh, viewpoint would be on a, the same story. Well, yeah, he makes quite a few comments about security, and I, I kind of had a feeling that he didn't care for security. It was, or maybe I'm a little sensitive to some of his <laughs> his. Uh, Greg, kind of, you could never be accused of being a sensitive. Yeah. Guy. Uh, rants, but he he just has so many things incorrect. Uh, you know, he talked about this like subdivision with inside security that ran all the communications, including park paging. Uh, wrong. Yeah, that's not true. It's it's not a subdivision, or it wasn't. It it was just security, and there was guys who were assigned to that uh, that position. There were there was just and, other and things it, he had wrong, like uh, and that's uh, just strictly radio communications. That has nothing to do with. Any of the uh, in park pages that you might have heard, or that's, that's the what telephones. I did. That's what I was saying. But you, no, you, you, you skipped going. out that part. You kind of just jumped over that part. Uh, he went on about like CFA runs, and you know, code two was paramedics, and that's absolutely incorrect. Uh, he, he just went on about things that you know he had enough knowledge about to be a little dangerous, you know, and um, and and this is where I get sometimes just wound up, and I I, I have a hard time reading a lot of fan sites. Because they're full of this kind of, kind of close to being right, but enough wrong that it it irritates me. That's one thing about my sage that has driven me crazy, because of and and, and then the people who support them don't want to hear the actual facts. Um, yeah, don't spoil a good story with facts. Yeah, and they yeah. jump on you when you you show them that that really wasn't a bunch of imagineers planning a new people mover, those were guys setting up a film shoot. They don't want to hear that. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was I remember that. It was hilarious. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's things of those nature. There, there's, a, there's a site, I don't know what it's called, but I, every now and then when I do a search for Imaginary in my way, which, by the way, has a new iPhone app at the oh, iTunes store. That's nice. Uh, the, uh, for a very low price of $1.99, the... Um, I come across this site and I forgot what yeah, it's called. You put but it on the Android marketplace too. I, you know, I don't want. I'm not the one that makes it, so I'm, I'm kind of, you know, at the mercy of the, the company that's making it for me. So the um, the site will usually be like a bunch of Disney facts, and they'll say confirmed or unconfirmed uh, things of that nature. And I don't know why I came across something about Tinkerbell, and you know, it was like Tinkerbell was an you know, was this lady who passed it down to her daughter and they were trapeze artists, blah, blah. Then, no, it was a dude, this was this guy that did it, and then it'll say confirmed on so-and-so date. And, and the facts are just so wrong that those it, it drives me insane. I'm like, I, I can't take it. I mean, I don't know why I just can't let go, but sometimes those kind of things uh, drive me up the wall. Dolly's drop on the Matterhorn. Can, someone, can somebody tell me why it's Dolly's drop? Well, um, wasn't that the name of the lady who died there? Yeah, that's the story. Is it's the name of the lady that died there? 
uh, when she fell out of the back of the car and got hit by the next uh, sled coming down. Right, right, right. It, it was the now, it was the guest who fell out because she undid her seatbelt, supposedly correct. holding down her son who was having a seizure. She, right. she was not killed when she was thrown out. She was killed by the next train that came in. Bah! By yeah. basically using her head as a speed brake right. for the next car. Yeah. Okay. Well, our friend Kevin says it's where a cast member died. No. No. Oh my goodness! Really? Yes, and this is you would, what, you would know, think someone who worked there that long would know. Oh, this is and, what this is what is terribly frustrating. I mean, to the point where I was talking to Richard about this before the show. He claims that Pirates of the Caribbean. Let's talk the entrance to Pirates of the Caribbean is actually floor two, similar to like how the Utilidors are built in uh, the Magic Kingdom. Okay, and, and I was talking to Rich about it from an architectural sense because Richard was going into some other nonsense that I'm like, no, no, let's look at this no, architectural. Don't, don't call it next nonsense. I'll tell you exactly where I was going from the viewpoint, but continue yours first. I'm looking at it architecturally, planning wise, you know, construction wise. Um, just because you might go down a stairs doesn't mean it's actually below ground. But when you look at the grade level, the grade level between, let's say, the entrance to Pirates and the river, there is a grade differential, no doubt. There's not much of a great differential at all between, let's say, the Jungle Cruise and the entrance to Pirates. Now, what's hard to tell these days because of that, that dumb bridge and the stairway is really truly what it is. But there is a bit of a gradual climb from the river. Now, I'm merged a full, let's say, commercial story, which could be 10 to 12 feet, maybe a little more depending on the, the building. But it's at least let's say halfway submerged. There, there's a middle ground per se. But when you come under the train trestle in the back, you dip under it. and then, you, have, you have to go down a considerable ramp. Yes. And then when you down. enter the back of the building to go down to the main kitchen, you again are going down. Okay. And, and this is down from the level of the Jungle Cruise. It is below the level of the river for the Jungle Cruise. And when now, you go into the show building to go into the Pirates, you have to go down a at least one flight of stairs to go yeah. to where the pirates yeah. are. That's a short from where the, yeah. from where the, uh, le- the, le- the level of the, uh, the, uh, the perimeter road is yeah, in the back of it. Yeah. It's a, it's a little, that's why I say it might, might be a half story down. So, you know, he's getting into these little things about when, uh, you know, it's really not story one, it's story two. And he, there's a few non verifiable things. He talked about an elevator that crashed and, uh, that well, well, before we go into that one, where I was saying was, it's in my view, it's semantics. Do you want to call the, you know, the bottom floor floor one, and then you got floor two? And so, Greg takes it from an architectural. If I'm going to go from anything, the way I'm looking at it is from an emergency standpoint. And if you're going to evacuate, where are you going to evacuate? You're going to evacuate on the New Orleans level. That's where everybody comes out of the building. You don't go downstairs into the basement when you have something like a fire or you need to evacuate the building. Everybody comes to the uh, New Orleans level. So that's ground level. Everything downstairs is a basement. Well, that's not, ne- I was not necessarily New Orleans level because they'll take them out in the back behind New Orleans, which isn't if, technically if in New Orleans. there, but if you're in the main kitchen, you're right. You're not going to go all the way down that tunnel to get out. You're going to come up the stairs. Uh, you, you might just hightail it right out the back of the building. That's, that's, no, that's, that's no, not that far. If you're standing, say, sitting, well, first, sit, first of all, it, it's changed, Greg. It's changed drastically with the rebuild that they're doing in okay, right now. So okay, it's, don't whoa, 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 whoa. Remember, we're talking about a, a snippet in time. Don't try right. to so, the so, so, but, but even back in the past, no, you wouldn't no, go all the way down if, that tunnel. If, You'd just come straight up the no, stairs. If you were, if you were sitting in the deck eating, and someone yelled, 
you know, a firehouse Mo- movie in a crowded fire. firehouse. Exactly. I would, I would probably head straight out the back. You know, it's uh, I, I 100 feet straight back. It's, you know why? Because it's a straight run with no stairs where people aren't going to be tripping over each other, fighting over each other. It's a straight run out the back. You're, you're right. Thank I might do the same. But if that's where the fire is, well, if one of those offices. <laughs> going, going that way, there really wasn't any offices. Straight the straight out you had left and right you well yeah there were some offices on yeah the, you had all those offices on the on the right side yeah you're you're right so anyways it, you know he which, got which by the way are now all refrigerators and freezers now okay cool so he he got into some odd things here and there and I I just I, you know I just had to scratch my head going this is a guy on my stage who is almost revered. Uh, well, what was the story about the elevator you started? Oh, well, and this isn't something I can't verify, and I don't know if you had any knowledge of this. And I'm not sure if it was the one in Cafe Orleans or if it was one of the other ones. But he talked about, you know, when he spent a lot of time talking about how the restaurants run, which I don't find interesting as far as backstage stories about Disneyland. Hey, you know, with this elevator was down, we had to use that elevator, and we had to push this stuff across the cobblestones. We knocked them over a lot, dropped a lot of things, you know, spilt our clam chowder, blah, 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 blah. No, but nobody can beat my screw-up on stage for knocking something over when I had 15 gallons of melted popcorn oil that I dumped right at the entrance of Matterhorn on a July, I think it was like the 5th or 6th of July. That's pretty lame. That was that was bad. I, I was loved by custodial the rest of that summer. So, anyways, he's um, you know regaling these stories. He said he got on the elevator, and he went was. He, yeah. I, I what, what what now? What I'm confused. I'd have to go look at the book. It, it would almost be like you would need to have been on the the second level, my true second level from the outside. And he went down one, and it shook on him. So when he got to the next level, he told the uh, people waiting, I wouldn't get on that. Let's send it down and see what happens. And supposedly they heard a crash. They pried open the doors, and they saw that uh, it was kind of sitting at an odd angle, and two of the walls had caved in. Uh, next thing you know, they, you know. They that sp- is an absolute lie. That they spent $36,000 to replace this uh, particular elevator. That is an absolute lie. I, you know how I can tell you that? Why? Because the elevators there, especially in all the restaurants, and that includes everything in New Orleans to the Tomorrowland Terrace, are all hydraulics. They would not, yeah, they will shudder when they start have, when the, and um, you know this to be true because in the old uh, admin building, they had that one big freight elevator by costuming that every now and then shudders because they're low on oil. When you reach the higher levels, they start shaking a little bit. That tells you it's time to get the machinist out there and check, you know, check it. But it, they'll shudder like that every now and then. But it's a hydraulic cylinder, and if you sent it up, yeah, you might go dry. It might get stuck between floors because the pump goes out on you or something like that. But the hydraulic elevators do not crash like that, and they certainly do not cave in walls. That is a lie. And I would have heard about that story. Well, how do you know that you would have necessarily heard about it? In fact, let's say it was 1980. Well, hold on, hold on. Let's say it was 1987 when he first started. He didn't give an exact date. Okay, I wasn't working there yet, and you were in outdoor vending. Why would you necessarily have heard about it? Because I because I was in the outdoor vending at the time, which means I would have been in all the park, uh, every area of the park. And I, yeah, but you been, wouldn't you wouldn't have worked in no, hang on, the hang on. Cafe Orleans. 
Yeah, because we used those elevators. Dancing. We had to use some of those. Wait, wait. wait. You used the elevator in the middle of the restaurant? We didn't use Cafe Orleans, uh, and we did not use French Market because they are in the middle of the restaurant. But we were down in the main kitchen area, and we would have known about it from the main kitchen crew complaining about that they can't use that elevator. Besides the fact that they were going down for, they would break down and they'd have to wait for Otis to come out. I don't know of anything. I mean, walls collapsing, that means they would have had to dig that elevator. Well, you know what it sounds like? It's, I just watched um, Speed the other day. Well, you know what it sounds like? In, you know, the, the typical um, cable-driven elevators that can fall and then, the, the, you know, the brakes grip on the side. Right, and you got your governors on the side. And, but then I was also thinking that for something to crash like that, because I'm, I'm picturing again in my mind, where is he taking this from? Because if it's the Cafe Orleans one, and maybe I should look in the book uh, while I'm talking, if it's a Cafe Orleans one, it would only go from Cafe Orleans to the bottom. And then the pit is... No, not, Cafe, the, the Cafe Orleans does go all the way to the top. They, it goes into Club 33? It goes into that storage area that, as you've reminded me numerous times, was originally supposed to be a bar. That would be French Market. Get your get your places right. Thank you. Cafe Orleans. Cafe Orleans. Right. So, uh, I'm trying to remember where. How did we get down this rabbit hole, by the way? Because know-it-all. Um, I just happened to mention um, uh, the book and, and some information. I, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm, I'm trying to remember that elevator in Cafe Orleans. It does go up. I'm trying to remember where it goes up to. I'm pretty certain. You might be right. It might not. It might only be the two two levels there. Yeah, because I didn't think it went up because that that part of the restaurant has a little serving kitchen, but I don't remember uh, off the top of my head if it went up. Uh, yeah, that that goes that the Cafe Orleans elevator. You've been in the main dining room back there. You got that buffet bar that has. Uh, on the side that's across from the harpsichord, uh, you have the wine rack. There's that little serving kitchen in there. That is the top level of the Cafe Orleans elevator right there. Okay. So now, uh, again, a Cafe Orleans person didn't go up to um, Club 33 very often. There was no need for them to go up there. And if anything, Club 33 people were you know, passing all the way down to the bottom. But it may not necessarily have been... That one. I mean, there's that one. There's the one closer to the veranda, or you know, in the uh, uh, that goes up to uh, Club 33 with the hidden door, you know, in the uh, um, 21 yeah. Royal uh, yeah. area. I'm I'm, I'm going to correct myself. The one that goes from the main kitchen area up to uh, Blue Bayou that only has the two levels on it. Yeah, I knew one of them had just two levels. I just I couldn't I couldn't figure out which one. And uh, and again. I, I, that one is one that I would not necessarily have um, any particular knowledge on per se. I mean, if it happened, it happened. If it didn't, it didn't. Um, I mean, things happen. You know, I, I uh, not everything works perfectly all the time. So it, it wouldn't surprise me. We, I mean, we always got calls about elevators being down, and you know, you had to use a different one. Oh, yeah, and, and you get elevator entrapments where you get uh, people stuck in an elevator between floors, and that does happen. Um, but you, you don't get elevators crashing down and knocking the walls out and everything like that. Well, well, yeah, it also made it, 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 
as far as I remember the recount of the story, it, it almost sounded like it had this huge pit to fall in. Well, I, you know, a, a hydraulic elevator doesn't require much of a pit. I mean, it's, it's well, the, made, the, the hydraulic cylinder has to go somewhere. Well, it well, does, I, but it compresses down on itself, and it's the pit itself is not terribly no, deep. Wait, it, wait, no, they it, don't it, compress. It's a single, it's it's a single, single piece. It's a single cylinder that goes down as deep as the elevator has to go up as high. It's a single cylinder. It no, no, it I know. Compact. I know, but it doesn't necessarily... It doesn't have to be open all the way around it. Like correct, it's, it's, like, it's just a tube that yeah, goes yeah. down, just like just like your uh, lift that you used to see in uh, the car places. Car places. It's the exact. It is the exact same thing as what you used to see in garages when they were allowed to uh, put those car racks in there. Though there are sometimes a small little pit area below the the car where you know the car doesn't. Yeah, there's there, there's a couple feet underneath it, and most you know it's mostly for the electrical cable. Uh, that runs the cab so that that can gather and has a place to fall without getting caught anywhere. Uh, and, uh, you know, just some of the basics and that type of, and to catch any uh, hydraulic fluid that decides to spill out. That, and that's, and that's what I uh, meant when I said pit. So to, to think that something, you know, uh, it sounds like, you know, something would have, what he described as fallen, you know, into this huge pit or one or two floors down. And it just sounded out of place. I, it just didn't sound right, you know. If, you know, if, and I don't. You know, I don't mind. I mean, the book's got a lot of "I did this." It was my idea for that, and you know, we all are proud of things we did or people we met in the park, celebrities, things like that. So I, I don't fault him for that kind of stuff. It's the stuff that you just get wrong that are not that hard to get wrong. I mean, it's just. You know, well, it's like some oh, get right, you mean? Or, well, yeah. Well, just don't talk about it if you don't really know. You know, don't yeah. pass on half truths. And well, it's like I was saying, anecdotal. You know, some of the stories that uh, Koenig put in his book on incidents that we were participants in, and we're going, "That's absolutely wrong. That's backwards. That's this way. That's that way." And um, you know, he's getting his information from getting the stories around there. And it turns out to be anecdotal, but yeah, it, it gets annoying hearing some of the stuff when they're being, I know what you're saying, they're so revered as having absolute knowledge on these things. And yet yeah, but here, here's wall. here's the difference. Conan is getting it from, as far as we know, frontline cast members who, you know, as we say, don't know fracking shit. But in <laughs> this case, this guy is the frontline cast member who's supposedly observing these events. Yeah. Right. So he, here's the story. Um just just so we can if we're going to beat him up and you say that's absolutely not true then we need to um go through what he's actually written yes uh, okay if the elevator broke down with people inside it there was an unspoken rule that cast members could simply help themselves to the food that they were traveling with <laughs> if they were bringing stock up to the cafe without fear of reprisal after all they were trapped once it broke down with Helen inside, who was stuck for a good two hours. We pried open the door. First rule of survival, food. Yeah. We <laughs> pried open the door on our level and ascertained we could see into the elevator cab. It had descended somewhat from our level, but a few inches were still overlapping with our space. Since she was thirsty, we rigged together a series of straws and poured Coca-Cola down to her. That was a bit messy. 
as one might readily imagine, not so much from the leaks of the makeshift pipeline as from the forcing of liquid via gravity. When Helen took the straw out of her mouth, soda kept pouring out and some of it onto her costume. So I read that to establish that they're talking here at this point about the Cafe Orleans um, elevator. Uh, yeah, I, okay. that could be any of the restaurants there. Well, no. Or Cafe Orleans, right? In the Cafe Orleans. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't hear yeah. that part. Not too long after that event, I was ascending to the second floor when the elevator made a series of vertical jerks as it neared our floor. Okay, so he's calling the second floor the, the area of Cafe Orleans. Okay? Yeah, the New Orleans level. Okay. Yes. That was frightening, so I got out. I told the people waiting to go down to stand by for a minute. I sent the elevator down alone. After a few seconds, a resounding boom and crash made everyone in the restaurant aware there was a problem. We pried open the door and peered down. The elevator had turned partly sideways and two of the walls had fallen inwards. I, I had gone down. Oh, you know, I guess he should have got an editor too. Hell, I'm <laughs> had I gone down, I might have been crushed. We got a new elevator after that at a cost of $36,000. Okay, how would he know? Uh, I guess rumor. Well, I, no, it's, it's not. I mean, it's. He, he's describing it in first person, so I'm going to have to give him the credit. If he's going to describe it in first person as I saw and not necessarily what somebody else told me about it. Okay, I'll give him some leniency on that, and it makes me want to check into that. But that still gives I don't, me a I, lot yeah. of a lot of questions on there and I have a lot of doubt on it. I don't particularly have any reason to doubt. The only reason I brought it up is, like you said, they're hydraulic. I was thinking they were hydraulic. Um, you usually, those kind of rumors tend to stick around for a while. Man, yeah, this don't ride this elevator. This is the one that crashed. You know, those <laughs> yeah, kind of things. Right. Those kind of things stay around. I mean, the yeah. urban legends are very yeah. strong in the park. Well, that, that's like that's like the death wagon. Nobody, they wouldn't put popcorn in front of... Uh, golden horseshoe for so long because well we had that one tree fall on it and then that night it blew up with the fireworks so it literally was that cast members did not want to work that location when they got a new popcorn wagon in the area they had to move it to the other side of the mark twain dock for the longest time yeah oh, true, oh i know that is that was that was the urban legend but how true that was i don't know but the case was it was on the other side for quite a while and now it's back on the uh I know one thing that I mentioned uh, that he mentioned that I was going to ask you about, Richard, to, to see if something changed after I left. Because he worked a little, he quit and then came back, so he worked a little longer than I did, or at least covered uh, more years. He may not have worked longer, but uh, because I did it straight and he broke it up, uh, he was doing a little. Um, well. <sighs> Let me go back to this because we talked about a little of this. He was given some of the codes. He says, "Yes, you know, I usually didn't use a radio, but you know, here were some of the common codes." Code one: CFA was being dispatched somewhere into the park, but a routine call. Security tended to accompany nurses who invariably came with a wheelchair, whether it was wanted or not. Code two: CFA, with some urgency, paramedics uh, are possibly involved and may or may not come on stage. Code three: CFA run is immediate, life-threatening emergency. Code threes are uncommon and translate to. Get here right now and try to save the life or do yeah. crowd control because there's a huge mess. Get here right now. <laughs> there's a huge mess. Okay. Now, later he describes um, CFA as paramedics always come. So there's a little bit of a, um, uh, you know, discrepancy in that. But he, he at one point he gives a little backstage 
tour. It's kind of onerous. I mean, just to, to again, I know the place, so maybe that's part of my my issue here. But he's kind of giving you uh, uh, what do you call it? the happiest backstage or something like that. And you know, again, you know, people who have never been backstage, th- th- this is probably someone interesting, a little dry in 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 my opinion. But uh, he describes the house that's back at the um, Circle D Ranch. Oh, uh, yeah, the old ranch house back there. Okay, and he actually gives a name for it. And I, I have to say, remember the, the old guy that hobbled around the park and knew everybody? Arthur? Arthur. He actually put a little thing in here about Arthur, which was really nice. It was, it was, he had his uh, first and last name and all that, and I thought that was kind of nice. Uh, he did... He did um, Further the rumor that he was never charged to come in the park, and also uh, further to the rumor that he possibly he says he couldn't verify, but but that part of the reason he was probably there all the time, and the rumor was he got in free to the park because he had known Walt Disney, but he said he couldn't substantiate that. Well, I, I, I can agree. I don't remember ever. I mean, everybody always he Arthur either got signed in or he got into the park one way or the other. But yeah, I don't remember ever ever charging Arthur to come into the well, park. Well, here, here's something just, funny. Well, I remember how, how would you charge Arthur to come in the park when you never did that? What? You you never took money for people to enter the park. That wasn't your job. So how can you say you never charged Arthur to get in the park? Because I because I'd be standing out there. I signed Arthur into the park several times myself. I, I understand, but you weren't in the position to charge him. So how could you have ever charged him? No. You misinterpret what I said. I said, I, I, no, listen again to what I said. I said, I don't think Arthur ever paid because I, because he was always, every time I've seen him or can remember seeing him going in the park, he was being signed in by somebody. I signed him in a couple of times, uh, or there was other reasons, but I don't think I, let me emphasize that word again, because you always catch me on it. I don't think underline bold type. (laughs) He was ever charged coming into the park because I, 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 I never saw that. I'm being, what did that guy call me again? A uh, shit sucking An asshole? Pastor? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I listened, to you, I listened to your words very carefully. And the first time no, you, you roll don't. the tape. No, yes, I did. You could roll the tape you back. You said I never charged him to come in. But okay, Play here's that beautiful bean footage again, please. Here's the question I had, or the thing for you to, to listen uh, to, Richard. Um, an old dwelling in the Circle D Corral was said to be the last original house left on property, inhabited at one time by by Owen Pope and his wife, Dolly. Pope was the man hired by Walt Disney to race and train the mules and horses needed for Disneyland. In my days, this ramshackled wooden building still had peeling white paint and was used as offices by the security forces who took took care of the guard dogs. Nearby were the dog houses for the guard uh, dogs, mostly German shepherds, Around the corner of the Pope House was a winding road that led up the berm across the train tracks and backside of the Festival Theater home in 1996 to the Hunchback of Notre Dame uh, Festival Fools Stage Show. Now, let me first say what I know about the place. Uh, I never saw it to be ramshackled. I had to check it on Graveyard Shift, which I always thought was kind of spooky because the whole house creaked. Because yeah, of- it was it was actually a part of the tour on uh, Graveyard that you had to go through there and turn a key. Yeah, there was actually a key on there, and I think AP. I want to say that was AP four, but I, I don't remember. Maybe five. I, I, I think it. No, I think it was four. I think you're right on four. Yeah. So uh, no peeling paint in my day that I remember. It was actually in really nice shape. Uh, it was an old farmhouse. Uh, but it was not 
security used at all in my day. Now, after I left, I don't know. Uh, security didn't really post a guy out there for the dogs. There was a guy that wrote uh, that was in charge of the dogs that spent time out by the dogs, rotated them. Sometimes that was done by uh, breakers. But I don't remember security ever. And, and remember, this guy started in 1987. I started in 1988. Um, you started in... <clears throat> 1982. Yeah, uh, <laughs> let's, not discuss how, let's not discuss what a what a rut I have gotten myself into here. But so, in your time that you know of, do you yes. ever know of that ever being used by security? No, never been used by security. Uh, who it was originally used by? Uh, back well, well, when I first walked back there in 1983. That was the be that was audio visual, which is now cast TV, had their offices and their equipment stored back there. And then later, uh, audio visual got moved into the what is re- still referred to as the front administration building, basically the offices that are now currently occupied by broadcast services. At that time, Circle D, the name of the ranch and uh, the name of the department that runs the ranch operations, Circle D occupied that house ever since, and they use it as their offices and break room. Now, uh, yeah, the dog kennels were out there because it was part of the ranch. They kept yeah, all they the were, animals together. They were a little but, north of that, not a lot, but yeah, it's just... and 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 uh, uh, that—that's the only thing security had out there was the kennels. Since that time, since you've left, uh, security has a quote-unquote state-of-the-art, we refer to it as one of the most expensive kennels ever built that is moved over to the opposite side of the ranch from where you remember it. And Close, again, to, the, close to the muck pit? There's no muck pit anymore. It's the Environmental Staging Center, and it's all, con- <laughs> it's, it's all concreted in, and it is a modern, it is a very modern uh, uh, storage and disposition center for anything that's had. In fact... That is where they're talking about right now because they're using the biofuel for the trains and what else? Oh, the Mark Twain, uh, the biodiesel. They're talking about putting in a filtration plant so that we don't have to send our hamburger grease out to get it filtered and processed to be able to put in the trains. We'll do it ourselves over there. But anyways, so yeah, is it's, it's right that next is, to that. Okay. It's, it's right next to that. And... Even still, that's not. Even though they have a desk and they do their and they have a computer, that's not "quote unquote" the offices. The security offices are where the security offices are. That's just where they keep the uh, the security dogs. But it's still part of the ranch area. Okay, so but, now, are you understanding? Now, my, go ahead. Go ahead. Now I will say, yeah, I believe the name of the family was Pope that did own that house. The house was moved several times from its original position. Its original position, uh, you got to remember. Uh, Cerritos Road used to go all the way through. Winston, no, it didn't. No, it didn't. Winston, not Cerritos, Winston. Winston. Thank you, thank you. Winston Road used to go all the way through, and the house was across Winston. And yeah, that was the family that took care of the mules and a lot of the animals for Disneyland. Yeah, the, Disneyland. the actual the actual name of the people I don't really give a crap about. To be honest with you, it's the use. That yeah. is incorrectly quoted. Well, listen to this. This, this. this is why I've got a problem with the. I'm, I'm being. I'm trying to be good natured about it and reading now, it for what it is. But prior, prior to '83, I couldn't tell you. I, I don't it, know what. It, it, it doesn't matter prior to '83 because he didn't come on till '87. Okay, now 
Disney fans often inquire about the concept of the Disneyland jail. There is no such place, at least not in the form of the commonly imagined. The suite of offices at security include several holding cells that are really just windowless rooms with white walls and no decoration or theming, and a table and chairs to conduct interviews. If needed, people could be kept inside these rooms while awaiting the arrival of the Anaheim Police Department, APD, who needed to be present before any real arrest could take place. In post-9-11 world, APD became a constant presence at Disneyland, but in the old days, APD was summoned only when needed. Security officers carried no weapons, only radios and their wiles. When there was a problem, they reacted by wiles. showing up. You got no wiles. <laughs> when, when there was a problem, they re, re, or reacted by showing up in force. People sometimes resisted detention, others denied stealing and feared the arrival of APD, and still others were just belligerent. I happened to be walking by one day when a violent altercation broke out just in front of security. My mind started to race. Ooh, could this be my story where I took the guy out in the middle of the road? But no. A 30-something man held on, uh, held on both his upper arms by security officers protestly, protested loudly and brutal, about brutality while his wife and young daughter cowered off to the side. He broke free with one arm and smashed his fist against one officer's face, at which point the other officer had began trading punches. The fracas <laughs> broke out, broke in an immediate reaction from inside security as officers spilled out and overpowered the man. He was spread eagle on the ground with even his head held down in a few moments while his wife and child wailed. I walked on knowing APD would arrive in a few minutes and this man would spend the rest of his vacation behind the very real bars. I never did find out what he initially was accused of, but his transgressions while backstage was enough to ensure he wouldn't leave after making a statement. And okay, and again, uh, his whole description of security in our, our holding room is um, not... Not correct. Not entirely, yeah, it's not accurate it's, at all. You know, it's a hybrid. It's almost like okay, we got to put this on the big screen. Let's make it a little better. Um, is it, it? Is it a? You know, I'm wondering if he's suffering from merging multiple memories. You know, and that is very possible. If he only walked, because what it got down to is. Um, he talked about communications was also the place to the keys of the kingdom were stored overnight. There was a single set of keys, perhaps only eight in all, that were skeleton keys for every lock in Disneyland. They were held by whomever was in temporary charge of the park, called Ops 1, later renamed Duty Manager 1 or DM 1, and still later Theme Park 1. The idea behind, excuse me, behind having a Duty Manager was that someone had to exercise the minute-by-minute decision-making that had park-wide effects. For instance, on slow days, a certain restaurant wished to close, but only the duty manager would know that all the other nearby restaurants had already closed and someone would need to stay open. Well, I, ha- well, I had the privilege of once returning the DM1 keys to security. It took a great deal of effort to resist the temptation to explore on my way to security from the west side. After all, the park was closed and deserted. So if he only entered there once or twice, I mean, we had one white holding room. It was just chairs. There was no conference table, no but there were individual offices that the supervisors worked in that if you were to be interviewed after being brought in, you would sit in the chair. But those were not holding rooms. Now, sometimes they were, let's say, a makeshift holding room in the, in the fact that while APD was on their way, 
we didn't bother to transfer them over to this little holding room that was next to um, uh, the communication area. They just sat in that room with the supervisor because APD would be there in a few minutes. Um, or their interview took so long that, you know, they'd already called APD knowing this wasn't going anywhere. Just come on. And as I'm talking to the guy, maybe he'll cop out before, you know, uh, he gets there. But there's, there's, there's also a story about a girl who, who got shot by the wrong kind of security officer, according to his description. He used a... Got what? A, shot? Shopped. You know, oh, like shopped. she... Okay. You know, they had, he called it, I forgot what kind of shoppers he called it. He had this name for it. Basically, he's like, you know, undercover people that uh, uh, are looking for cast members doing wrong. Now, I'll tell you, we never did that unless an area asked us to, uh, you know, that were, you know, let's say someone's drawer constantly was short or there were suspicions that someone might be taking money or shortchanging people, not ringing stuff up. Well, security would get a call. Investigations would send. Uh, well, I was going to say, yeah, there's your subgroup is investigations, which is part of security, but it's also a very se- separate operation. From yeah, security. I, I they told do things that they don't want operational security necessarily to be aware of because. Yeah, they're checking to see if somebody is stealing from the and company or something I, like that. I used to call them spooks. And the we super, still call, I still call them the, spooks. The supervisors in charge. Yeah, the supervisors in charge didn't really care for that particular name. but That's why I like still using it. The, the supervisors would do some investigation, but the, the, a lot of times the legwork was done by an hourly. Now, if I worked undercover for the public shopping, stealing, uh, theft prevention, some people call it now, uh, or loss prevention, I think yeah. it's stupid words. It's no, it's looking for shoplifters. But we were called Fox. But if we went out and did this against a cast member, Richard had to. Rem- I was going through the different undercover names we used so he could remind me of what the real one was. Pigeon was the word we used if we were on that duty. So yes, some of the people were as in stool pigeon. Nice. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. No, so, pigeon's just a very dirty bird. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Um, now. A lot of foxes did pigeon work, but some pigeons were not foxes, you know. So uh, there was uh, some people who were good at, l- you know, looking normal, if, if you want to say. Uh, stand, not standing out as either a cast member. Didn't have long hair. And then later on, they, they stopped doing it uh, with cast members, and they hired out. They got they got outside people to do it, which I, you know, of course, the union argued was incorrect. But anyways, they, they said that a lot of t- – he, he made this, like, statement, like, a lot of times – um, they would bring someone in with no uh, evidence, and they would just try to berate the person and and pressure the person. And in one case, the, you know, the girl wouldn't say she did it, and they said, "We have videotape of you." And and this is security supposedly doing this. And she says, she she in her mind, he he says uh, she knew that there, there were no cameras in her restaurant, so there's no way that they could have film of her supposedly doing whatever she did. And eventually they gave up and just sent her back and she went on with her life. So, you know, he kind of made security well, out as kind of being these jackboot thugs in some ways. He never used those terms. I'm, I'm putting those terms in his mouth, but uh, you know, Although I got to just throw in the, my two bits there. Uh, even back in the eighties security had uh, quite a few portable, I mean, basic they're, they're, they're like, camcorders that they could put anywhere that were also time-lapse. So, I mean, it wasn't that great of technology that was needed for them to be able to do something like that. So, don't ever... <laughs> I mean, you can question it, but you, you just never know. You know well, don't they, do they, it. They, yeah, they gave up on her, so who knows. But now, tell me this, Richard, because you worked... You, you had kind of a special 
uh, affection or a uh, what's the other word affinity whatever for the fire department. I, I you know they were just you know fellow guys. I still working. do. I, I, I worked real close with them and for it, quite a while. And they're great guys and all that. But I, I you know I didn't give them a whole lot of mind. I mean they are there. They didn't you know the fire truck really never did anything. Uh, proactively, it was more of a way to to drive the the fire chief around. Oh, you, you've never been with it when it's been used. I have, so. Uh, you know, I gotta say, in my day, if there was anything that serious, AP or AFD was called in, and that truck was rarely, if ever, used that I can remember. But that's not to say it wasn't. But even well, even Kevin says he never saw it used, but wasn't saying it never was. But usually, if there was anything serious. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's like it's like you never see the fire trucks sitting at the fire station. You you just see them going to Carl's Jr. and to the grocery store. That's all you ever see them, unless you that's, that's not watch, true. The, watch the six o'clock news and actually watch them go out. They get rather active. And, and I have a fire station a block from my house. I see the fire trucks go out all the time, and it's not. To I, the I, have, I have fire. I have a fire station. Yeah, but here's my blocks, here's anyways, my I'm point. Sorry. My point is, or my question is. What were the names of the different guys in the fire department? What were their their roles, if you will? What do you mean? Okay, you have a fireman. Right. And what would a fireman's lead be called? That's Chief. The captain. Or captain. Okay, and what's okay. above him? Uh, one of the chiefs. Chief. Okay. Did we have... You we, have assistant chiefs, deputy chiefs. You have, uh, if I remember correctly, okay. two deputy chiefs and then the chief. Okay, this Gosh. is... This, this, this is just... Okay, this is Disneyland, not Anaheim, right? This is Disneyland, correct. Okay, that's that's all I want to make sure. Uh, Kevin routinely calls the what I think he means as the chief, the fire marshal. We also have a fire marshal. Okay, why didn't you say that in the first? Because I forget about Stan. Stan is our inspector, and he is the fire marshal. He he is the one that uh, directly. Uh, is responsible for the inspections and does the reports that we routinely do. Oh, geez, it seems like every week Anaheim, the Anaheim fire marshals are on property and they do their inspections and he's the one that liaisons with Anaheim fire. Okay, he talked about the fire marshal, it seems to me, excessively through the book, but I don't think he actually meant the fire marshal for most of the things because they're like, response type things that I wouldn't think the marshal would necessarily go out. That's but, correct. Marshal is in charge of inspection and making sure that we maintain our legal standpoint and our safety standpoint. Because he did seem to focus a lot on fireworks in some areas, because he worked um, some of the um, the old Enchanted Evenings, and they did some firework shows on uh, supposedly uh, on the river prior to Phantasmic going in and talks about the numerous fires that were set in the you know, like the the grass in front of uh, the the mansion, but they were quickly put out because, uh, of course, you'd always have standbys on on those kind of things, and, and in other areas too, backstage. And you know, yes, I knew shells came down. He talked about one shell that penetrated the building, went all the way down into an office um, in the backstage area. Um, you know, things that I really don't have any firsthand knowledge of, other than I know, you know, stuff happens. Uh, yeah. So, but he used the, I'd be the term fire about that one because. We ha- well, that could have been part of the maintenance plan, so I'll take that back. Yeah, he, he talked about fire marshals a lot, and I think he meant fire firemen, uh, firemen, or the captain, or you know something like yeah. that. I, and, I, and again, I don't necessarily think he was wrong in some of the stories. It's just again, if you're going to be this great knowledge of div- Disney information, try to use the correct terms. That that's just my 
right. my biggest beef. Yeah, when you're dealing with a uh, pyrotechnic display, a firework display, you have an FSO, a fire safety officer, who's usually a captain, and then he has an entire team depending on what the needs are for that particular show that stand in various strategic areas to watch out for, you know, fallout and whatever else. And just as equally important, they're watching the uh, winds aloft. Uh, if you ever watch the, if you ever watch one of the fireworks show, watch several minutes beforehand. Start looking in the sky. Watch some white balloons that'll go up because they're looking for the winds aloft. Yeah, we need to know which which direction the winds are blowing. And if it shifts during the show, they will stop. And they have. They will stop the show mid-show if the winds shift in the in the direction they don't like. Have we actually recorded a show standing there off to the side of the castle watching the white balloons get released on a fireworks I, I, canceled I, I'm day? I'm pretty sure we have because we release them from several different locations because we need, especially when you get those large shows where you have it on the castle and other buildings, not and you have your uh, your main pyro launch area in the backstage area and you have these additional areas that go around back there you need to launch it from several different locations because you will get several different types of winds throughout the throughout well it's all disneyland park but you'll get several different uh uh wind variances going throughout the park okay here was another thing that this this is one of those ones that really got me you know he's he's giving can i can i put two bits more in for the fire guys goodness gracious well, this, this is an important... This is only the third time you've interrupted Greg, though. It's, I'm sorry, because I want to go on this. This is an important thing that not too many people know and too many people take for granted. Or, or maybe care about. Well, it, I care about it because, like you said, I have worked real close with these guys. The one thing you got to remember about the fire department at Disneyland is it's a recognized fire department within the county. It's not just, oh, a safety office that happens to be in there. If you go over to the uh, Fireman's Memorial in uh, Santa Ana at the county seat, the Disneyland Fire Department badge is there with every other city and county badge. Also, every fireman from the chief on down to the guy that started last week are all sworn fire officers to the state of California. They're not just somebody that got hired off the street. These are all firemen that have been trained, that have done duty. And the requirements, last I checked when we were talking about the requirements for to be part of the Disneyland Fire Department is you have to have a minimum of 10 years municipal fire experience before the, you can be accepted in the Disneyland Fire Department. Yeah, that, that, means you have to be with a, that means you have to be with a city fire department. You can't just be like when I volunteered to go, you know, tromping up and down the hills in Orange County that I'm eligible. No, I actually would have had to have gone through the fire academy and actually sit in a fire station with the city for 10 years before they would have even considered me for the job. Yeah, I think we've talked about that in the past. Uh, here's a couple other funny anecdotes. Um, he's talked about working the Jack Lindquist um, retirement party in Toontown. And he, he lists some of the celebrities he saw, including Candace Bergen, Tony Danza, Danny DeVito, Roy Disney Jr., Michael Eisner, Sally Roy Field. Disney who? Uh, exa- I was waiting for somebody to catch on that. Okay, a guy at this level of supposed knowledge should never be calling Roy O or Roy Arms or Roy E Jr. Um, that that kind of caught me as what? yeah, that, that's that's very bad. That that's that's just tacky. Oh, here here's a funny one. 
this, this I actually found really funny. And I'm like, really? Do you really think this was the reason he, this particular person was there? Um, he, he says sometimes they needed the evidence and sometimes they didn't. So there were, he's air quoting, or I'm air quoting, secret shoppers that would visit locations and grade them on everything from speed and efficiency to smiles and pleasantries. They'd watch for a suspicious lack of receipts, too. I was once visited by the ultimate in secret shoppers, the CEO himself. In 1988, fairly early in Michael Eisner's term, he came through the Cafe Orleans serving line in disguise and all by himself. I wasn't fooled by his baseball cap, though. And I, oh, he's wearing you know, a baseball cap. That's a disguise. disguise, yeah. And I knew right away who he was. I never let on, however, and I simply treated him with respect of any other guest. We must have done well since we never heard anything about problems. Security had a sub-branch of their force working in plain clothes called Fox Units. Fox Units provided for park watching, for stealing from guests and CMs alike. They were notoriously hard to spot at restaurants, though I found them easy to locate as they shadowed people in the shop, especially on Main Street. Mainly, though, managers and security only had suspicion not evidence. So they relied on tactics to wrangle confessions out of people. Many would call them trick confessions or even badgering. Linda was once hauled off for half of her shift and accused multiple times of having stolen. She never admitted to it. She knew there had been instances in the past where security got people to admit they had stolen something, perhaps not money, but maybe a single bite of bread. And even a small omission was enough to get one terminated. It was almost as though they had selected someone for termination, and the exact method was merely a formality. As Linda continued her denials, her interrogator from security brought out the big guns. We had video, they told her. And she promptly demanded to see it, and she knew there were no video cameras installed in the veranda where she had been working. Eventually, they let her go. The cloud of suspicion wafted away. Linda may have been caught up in a, tell, a tattletale ring whereby security promised one CM who had admitted stealing that critical charges wouldn't be filed if he named other stealers. Oh, we got, we got Who knows how realistic on. this method for obtaining uh, actual intelligence. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, Disney took, I, took... I'm sorry, can we say paranoia? Did, did, does a security really have time for that kind of nonsense? Uh, well, they do, you know, like I said, I went out more than once. They said, he, he, like, here's 20 bucks. Go shop at, at this. It was the bingo barbecue. It was the first time I got to try the bingo barbecue. You know, watch where the money goes. Here's all I want from you. You know, where's the money? Give her this, you know, certain denomination. See what she does with it. Uh, see how she exchanges the money. You know, see if she goes through the correct procedures. I think they, what they were checking to see if they were really ringing them up, that the 20s were going where they were supposed to, blah, 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 blah. So, yes, they do some of this. But the only reason they would do this is if there was a reason to. They spent their time looking for guest stealing more than they did employees. There had to be suspicion. Security, to my knowledge, even the spooks, didn't go out looking for people screwing up. People, you know, people... They screw stupid. up on their own. Screw up in front of them. They, they become obvious enough. You know, yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to. Tr you know, I had this very question asked me last week because they say that there was someone that was passing the word that security goes out and tries to trick people to pay them to sign themselves. So, you know, they, that security stands out at the main entrance, tricking cast members. Oh, can you sign me in? I'll give you a hundred bucks. We don't have to trick people. Because <laughs> they, there's enough stupid people that do it on their own already. 
Um, I mean, we're busy enough dealing with the stuff that's legitimate. We don't have to make ourselves work on it. Um, you know, I got to say, in the, uh, what was it, about the 90s, I think, um, and I'm going to say Paul Pressler again. Paul Pressler was very big on um, making sure that people were uh, doing correctly, especially with the stores. You know, I, I mentioned Paul Pressler was very interested in the stores. And they actually did hire an outside service that a lot of companies, uh, a lot of the stores uh, still do hire on these type of things that were shoppers. I actually got hired to uh, a friend of mine that worked for uh, Hilton asked me to do the very exact same thing for uh, the Hilton Towers and the uh, Hilton Suites. You come in, you uh, you act like you're a guest at the hotel, they check you in, blah, 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 you go through the whole thing, and then when you check out, you write a quick little report, you get your names and say, oh, this person was really nice, and they did a really good job, and they were they did offer me, you know, they showed me how the television works in there, they offered me these type of services. And we did have that going throughout the park. It wasn't so much as getting people in trouble. It, it was just a score sheet to say whether your people were following, you know, did they suggest that maybe you should check out this clothing line or that. It was just a score sheet on that part. Well, that's about the same time we went to outside, let's say, pigeons, too, because yeah. part of the thought was, well, these guys see you backstage. We're not effective because, you know. You, yeah, they did, they did go with outside on that type of stuff, which in my mind, I know – there were those that complained about it, but, you know, I kind of, again, that goes into the investigation realm. It's not operational. The less I know, the better I feel. I don't okay. want to be able to deal with that. Let's go back to the ultimate secret shopper, though. Yeah, I wanted to go back to that. I was yeah. hoping you I, I, I do not believe Michael Eisner was in disguise because the few times that I did see Michael in the park, he, excuse me, he was dressed down, baseball cap in the park. In fact, once I talked to him at the the front security desk when he came in asking for the duty manager of the day and he just had a ball cap on, you know, like a pullover sweater or something. Very, you know, uh, low yeah, he key. Would use, he would use like, he'd have a sweatshirt on with Mickey or something like that, yeah. a t-shirt. But yeah. I don't think he was secret shopping. I think he just happened to come in for a bite to eat and I'm sure if he would have saw something out of the norm, he probably would have mentioned it. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean uh, Kevin Yee did anything right or wrong. I don't think he was secret shop by the ultimate guy. If, yeah. you're, if you're that paranoid to think that, oh my God, this guy walked in, he's gonna he's gonna critique every move I make. Well, you know, as a CEO, he might, but I don't think that was his purpose to be there. His right. purpose was to get a meal. And and in the early days when uh, Michael Eisner first came in, especially you know, in those first uh, eight ten years prior to uh, Frank's untimely departure. Uh, you and I both saw Michael somewhat on a regular basis in the park, just being another guest in the park. And it was, you know, we had the stories back then that we were growing up that Walt would always tell his Imagineers, I want you to go in and visit the park like a guest. Don't park backstage, park out in the parking lot. Well, Michael did park backstage, but he would go in the park and he would just enjoy the park as another guest. Um, I've Come on, you, you don't, you don't think Walt parked backstage? Well, I think he parks backstage too, but you know, 
kings can wear crowns, and he told his uh. Imagineers that he wanted them to park on, in the regular parking lot. But oh, I, you I've know, never heard the parking lot story, but it kind of goes without saying that you know yeah. if you're going to go enjoy the park as a guest, most exactly. likely you didn't park backstage. But and, I bet you anything that no one would have stopped Roly uh, Roly Crump or you know oh, any of the guys from parking in the back. I mean, oh, I'm sure they won't either. Um, but you know, Michael, especially in the early years of the uh, Mighty Ducks, I told you the stories that. Michael would stay there until about the third period, and then he would come into the park for a couple hours, just see what's going on around there, catch the final scores, and then he'd head for home. So, you know, he's not being the, uh, just a little paranoia here. He's not being the ultimate shopper, or maybe he is. He just wants to see how I, things are I, going in the park. Well, I, I think there's always some of that. If, if you're a leader, uh, a business leader, an owner, whatever you want to say, a CEO, Everything you do when you walk around is in some way going to reflect back to the company of what you're doing. You know, you can't, um, let's say, you know, let's sounds, say. I, sounds like a good idea for a TV show. Yeah, well, let's say, yeah. Yeah, oh, you know, the, the boss thing. That, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if, if Michael. That's on another network. We yeah, can't talk about that. If Michael goes on a cruise, the Disney cruise with his family. Uh, you can't you can't deny that he's even though he's there to relax that he probably is he's not saying the operation. Yeah, that oh we could do better here, we could do better there. That's not necessarily his purpose to be there. Sure, but, but where do we get a, back? Yeah, as a good owner, uh, as a good CEO, you right. you are observing these things. You know that that's part of your job exactly. I don't. And, I don't think though that Michael Eisner's taking any Disney cruises. And and you know, I, why, I why, it, why do you say that? Just out of curiosity. Because he's I probably have, he's probably pissed off. No, 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 no. I meant before he. The, the, oh, was cruise line before, he, before he left. Yes, yes. I'm just saying. You know, since uh, since I, I find it kind of ironic. Since now he's like the, yeah, raised yeah. middle finger. Screw that place. I, you know, I, now now I can see him almost being buddy buddy with Ron Miller because he went to see Ron Miller. Uh, right after he was first offered, then denied, you know, his place with the company after uh, when it was first happening, and uh, there was a story in Disney Wars about him going to see Ron Miller and him kind of saying, How, "What's going on with this company?" or whatever the particular story was. I, I could see him them now almost, you know, chumming up together, saying, "Boy, we both got screwed, didn't we?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I gotta say, though, I kind of find it a little ironic. Um, we're complaining about and being a little paranoid, in my opinion, about Michael being out and about in the park just cruising around to see what was going on. Aren't these the same people that were complaining that Paul was never in the park and that Ed, Ed Greer was never in the park and never wandered around? No, no, no. I, I think that's more putts. I, I don't... I, I, I've read a little bit of, of uh, Kevin's stuff. Not, I guess I say not a lot. Uh, I, I tend to get so frustrated with, with Mice Age and Mice Chat because of the 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 DF crap that comes along with it, and I don't necessarily like uh, Al Lutz's his his, um, his way of writing. I've been told by emails that hey, you're doing the same thing, but you know, of course, always from your own perspective, it's different. Uh, you know, I look at it as criticism, and I try to find ways to fix things. Though occasionally, uh, I don't have. Uh, I admit that I don't have an answer. For instance, on the last measure in my way, you know, you can get an iTunes app for that. Um, I talked about the Village House was a, a rehab bulldozer. I said the place is in shambles. The, the service is substandard. The list of food in there is is horrible. It, it, there's no variety. I have no idea what to do with it. But something needs to be done. Yeah, I hate that place. You know, hey, maybe we could have one of those. 
those, uh, you know, into the world fixing bars. Like everybody think it's just so great at Walt Disney World because you know every restaurant needs a fixing bar. A fixing bar. A fixing bar. You know where you, you know, have your pickles and your lettuce and your tomato. Oh, like over there. Yeah, okay. Because you. you know, in Florida, like, they, they, what is the Pecos Bill, Pecos or? Bill, and the uh, Chuck E. Cheese restaurant, they both have um, these fixing bars that the guys that go to Disney World all the time <laughs> seem to think is the best thing since sliced bread. It's like you know, I uh, I miss Flaky uh, Jake's right down the street, and I and I occasionally still get a chance to go over to Fuddruckers. I do enjoy the fixing bars, but. I don't, know. I don't know. To me, they seem like, uh, especially for a, a theme park operation, a nightmare to have. You've got a bunch of uncovered food. You've got food that you've got to replace. It's always out in the public. Hands are touching it. I would much rather say no tomato if, yeah. you, can, if you can do that. I mean, some places it's just here, you know, <laughs> uh, take I, I the tomato off and throw it away. But I just think they don't have the sneeze guards. I mean, the things are pretty just wide open. And, you know... I think the one in Pecos Bill, you can actually saute some onions, or that maybe what? they're already maybe they're already grilled up or something. Yeah, I think they're already sautéed that they're sitting on the tray there. If I yeah, but I don't, I don't know. I just don't get the big fascination with the fixing bar myself. Uh, um, you know, it's like I paid all this money to be served, and I've got to go finish the meal over here. You know, it's it's like wait, I get a slab of meat and two buns, and I've got to go finish the deal over here. Was you know, I just paid you fifteen bucks for that. You at least yeah, think no you could fluff. Slap the shit on themselves, you know. <laughs> but maybe that's an East Coast thing. I don't know. I don't see a lot of fixing bars out here, uh, and I must, or I'm going to the wrong places. You know, it's bad enough my house is a fixing bar. Every time oh, I barbecue, I've got to do my own fixings. You know, where you know, I don't want to go to the theme park and have to do the same thing. Okay. Like, like, like I said, it's it's uh, you know, Fuddruckers is the only place I know that still has that. Uh, Flaky Jake's was really cool. That was right down the street from Disneyland. I couldn't tell you they're, the last time they're I- long gone. If I've been in a Fuddruckers, in fact, I don't remember the Fuddruckers I went into uh, with my last boss even having fixings. You just kind of ordered what you wanted. Uh, no, no, that, that was part of the restaurant. I, I, the first one I was into. Maybe it wasn't a Fuddruckers. I thought we were yeah. in Fuddruckers. But anyway, you know, Kevin's book, I don't want to say it's horrible. It's just from a perspective of someone else who's worked in the park. And done more than work in a restaurant, which you know I can't say is is a, is a bad thing. Every everybody has to do what they can do, and uh, all those positions are necessary. I just find his um, his look at things uh, not so clear, uh, especially when it comes to things he knows nothing about, like you know security and uh, uh, obviously CFA runs and some other things. But then again, who? How do we know, Richard, that out there in you know, New Orleans main kitchen uh, or whatever they called their, uh, I think he said when he was first hired in, it wasn't called a business unit. Then they were, that you were hired into the restaurant. He was a cafe Orleans person. Unless cafe Orleans yeah. was down, that's the only place he worked. He was rarely, uh, loaned out. Now, if it went down for rehab, then sometimes you got loaned out. Uh, and interestingly enough, he said when he started, I think it was, uh, French market actually belonged to critter country, which I thought oh, was that's I, interesting. That's weird. But, um, you know, I don't know. I like say you know. In some I'm, ways, I can picture that because of you only have the one restaurant in Critter Country, so why not put another restaurant under their control? So. I, I guess so. But you know, I'm at page, you know, 167 of 201 pages, and I, I'm pretty sure he transferred somewhere else, uh, or unless it was in, in Disney World when he made got out of um, uh, foods. But I thought he worked in entertainment arts or somewhere else. You know, at 100, page 167, 
I'm still hearing about, you know, uh, carts with with uh, food on it and, uh, you know, cash control. And, and that was another thing that he – there was kind of a misnomer about the way they carried their bags of cash back. I, I just – I don't remember it like that. I, You know, he said they used to just walk back with a burlap sack over their shoulder and, you know. And then later they put them in a Disney shopping bag. And it was so obvious. Everybody knew what was in them. Because I remember going on cash control runs as security uh, second shift as a fox. The funny thing was we would escort, if you will, basically follow behind, you know, thousands of dollars of cash. And these people from cash control who would go around to the different restaurants to pick them up. And you weren't you weren't supposed to look like you were with that, them. That, that was a later time. That was yeah, a later yeah, time with you. Yeah, you weren't supposed to look like you were with them. But I tell you, during Fantasmic, sometimes they asked me to hold on to them because, you know, literally they had thousands and thousands of dollars in a couple bags and they didn't want to be lost in that crowd. Now, yes. he, he later talked about cash carts and I'm not familiar with them, uh, that some kind of carts collected the cash. So, again, yeah. I'm familiar with those. Like the Vegas... Yeah, it, uh, it, 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 no. That's what my image is. Those two, the two brothers in uh, uh, Ocean's Thirteen. Yeah. Ocean's Thirteen, yeah. With the the, the, uh, the it's not quite as fancy as that because we had them over at Tomorrowland Terrace, and what it is is basically just a steel box that has a lid on it with a padlock that's welded onto a hand cart, and you would go in. What you would do is, especially if you're dealing with multiple funds like restaurants do. Uh, when I was with Tomorrowland Terrace, we had what. 24 funds that we had to pick up. You'd go over there with your uh, little cart, pick up all the funds, and then bring them all the way over. And then at the end of the day, when you need to take them in, you'd put them all back into the cart and take them all over back over to cash control. Um, yeah, that was the way it was. You just had the little burlap bag and you carried your own funds in. Uh, outdoor vending, we had to take our own individual funds in. Well, that's what he was saying. Even in restaurants in the morning, because well, the lead's usually on in the morning, the lead would pick it up. But who, whoever ended the shift would take the money back themselves. And then supposedly right. one, one girl said that she was robbed on Main Street. Nobody really believed her, but they couldn't prove otherwise. Well, uh, we actually... We actually and, and, well, and from there, that's when they supposedly changed to putting that burlap bag in uh, a Disney bag. But they, he acted like they all threw it over their shoulder. Uh, and just like, you know, do 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 Well, you know, yeah, I, some people actually did go in there and look like a total goober having their burlap bag on his he, shoulder. He, he's like, you know, it was so obvious when you and, saw a Disneyland cast member walking through Tomorrowland with a Disney bag. Uh, you know, a good thief knew a target when he saw one or something to that matter. Well, in Florida at Walt Disney World, I think it was the Magic Kingdom, they actually had uh, somebody that was robbed at gunpoint. Somebody followed a cast member backstage, and as soon as they got backstage, the guy pulled a gun on them and took the bag and then went right back to the park. Fact check, fact check, fact check. Okay, we need to have Earl chime in on that one, because I would think all that would be done in the utilidors. Why would you... Yeah, no kidding. They have they have the luxury of fact check, fact check, fact. You and your you and your damn fact check. Go ahead. It was it was reported in the paper, and it even even made the evening news locally too. Really, I'm surprised. And and amazingly, Greg, I'm surprised you don't remember it because lo and behold, that was one of the reasons they started having you guys start watching these guys because it was about that period. I don't know if that was the reason, but it was around that time that uh, it took place over at Walt Disney World. I, I'm not going to say it, well, it couldn't happen, but I, I just, you know, the, util, the, the, the utilities are, are so much ingrained into my mind 
that know, but... you wouldn't think that they would have the opportunity to be, you know, forced backstage because well, they would be that's, underneath. That's why I said I think it was the Magic Kingdom that it took place at. I could be wrong. It could have been Epcot. That that's took place at. true, true. But I do remember it happened in that Walt Disney World that somebody actually did pull a gun on a cast member. Now, is this similar to that story about the uh, the lady who was churned up by the paddle wheeler and they left her floating out in the water until the... Yeah, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> but um, nowadays you don't have any of that go on because every location has their own safes and they actually have an armored car that goes through there at a specified time when the park is closed. So now everything's dropped in... In its place, Every, everything, and, and later at night they come get it. Exactly, they, they actually have. They're you know, this nice is this is probably something, Richard, that Disney would prefer us not to tell you. Probably not, but that's so why let's I'm not let's not get take you on. Well, I, I'm just going to leave it as no money too late. Ever crosses the state. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, now you just let all the good thieves know where to go find it. Yeah, okay. but get in after hours first, right? That's step one. Yeah. I just have yeah, this. I just. I have this image of uh, Elliot Gould explaining people who've tried to rob from a casino. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that came close to tasting air. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but of course, you guys are much better. <laughs> All right. So, so are you? Are you? Yeah, I didn't really mean this show to be half a show ragging on. Uh, half. But uh, half more than half yeah. I just it's so fresh in my mind because it's only taken me a, you know day and a half two days to uh, uh, read this couple thing. days worth of dumps in there yeah exactly and, it's, um, and it, well you know he even gets into restrooms and where cast members use the restroom and how many urinals and, and toilets were in I, it's just stuff that I'm not sure I don't know I, I know people like behind the scenes stuff I'm just not sure if this is the book that people are looking for I you know I could be wrong uh, I don't know what he's, you know, what kind of sales he's made, and uh, you know, got to give the guy kudos for the effort. I, I just, I'm more, you know, annoyed by the inconsistencies and, you know, not quite straight stories. But you know, hey, I'm sure there's been inconsistencies in many of my stories. So. Hey, I got this new toy. I was going to try out real quick. Oh boy, <laughs> Hong Kong Disneyland right now is 83 degrees. Tokyo Disneyland is raining and 43 degrees. That's that's new. That's uh, The weather report is a new toy for you? Yes, it's really cool. I like this. Walt Disney World is 54 and clear. He's playing with and this phone. And here at Disneyland is 57 and clear. Yes, I, I know he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we let's just say we'll get to some emails. There, there's some little things here and there, just you know, stuff we won't get into now i think we've done a long yeah. enough show um but just to let people know we do have your emails we will get to get to them eventually so let's get on to the part where we need to uh, you know hawk all the the wares okay and all right all so the crap all the uh, the uh well let's start with our contest for west fest the materials have arrived good good how'd they, how'd they turn out they look good good uh so you know uh after we're done I want to ask you a question about how much we're going to release before okay, it's actually good. released. Okay, so yeah, so that's that's nice. Um, let's see, we already just dis- already discussed that Shaft will not be in any West Fest events, but that's okay. Yeah. And don't forget uh, the imaginary in my way iPhone app available right. at the iTunes stores today. That's great. Um, let's see. Oh, but West Fest banquet tickets. Well. 
by the time the show releases, I, I don't, they'll, they'll probably I, only I, a couple days I left. Couldn't, I could hold on to one pr- uh, promotion code I have and give a free app away as part of one of our prizes. I could do that. That would be I, awesome. I, I have a few promotion codes, and I could hold on to them. I think they're they, – I don't think they expire. If they do, then we'll say sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think they should. They, they should be good. I think that would be awesome. Okay, so we'll count on that, so I'll save one. Okay, good. Uh, let's see. We haven't had any voicemails lately, so – bastards do you have poop lines open well we do have a fair amount of i guess it we get we can get a constant flow of email uh sometimes it's just one line but that's fine but it would be nice see that's the one thing the iphone app has on the app you can say call the show so when you're thinking about it you just bam right we need to get you know maybe a micecast oh. app so, well you can go straight to twitter you can go straight to my facebook it, it's a nice little app there's bonus materials um all kinds of good stuff Sounds interesting. At the iTunes store for a low price of $1.99. Oh, two bucks. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, Paul Berry's charging three. I'm giving you a deal, $1.99. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but how many, how many IMW shows are there? 50-some. And how many WTTM shows are there? A lot more, but yeah. so what? <laughs> okay. I might, my content will flow steady. Okay. You know? All right. My, I, you know, there's quality to my content. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm just saying, shows. you know, you know, he's got two hundred some odd shows. You know. I'm not going to disparage Paul. He puts a lot of work into his, yeah. but he's also been doing that particular show. I think a year and a half longer than I've been doing mine. So he would have more. Yeah, and just like us, he had a much more regular schedule at the beginning. Well, yeah. I mean, how hard is it to do what we do? We turn on the mic, we bullshit for two hours, and not hard at up. all. That's right. I mean, there's no post production. That's why the show sounds like crap. I mean, we just oh, no, you know. there's some. Oh, this one's going to be really bad because you could see the waveforms that I could see. Richard's voice is like five dB less than everybody else. Well, wait till it's actually done. Like when I re- we recorded a political gestures before before we came on, and he sounded perfect in my headphones. But when I listened to it when we were done, he was hot. So I'm gonna have to bring him down. Mm. But that levelator just makes it tinny. Try not to use that damn thing. I, I that or need you need to learn how to use it because when there I is no the show. It sounds there's like no learn. It's it's all it's dummy. There is no learn. There is only do. No, there, seriously. <laughs> if you if you actually looked at the product, you'd know what you're talking about. I. I've you, I've looked at it and tried. I'm like, screw this. But besides, GarageBand does some leveling. Uh, yeah, it's normalization. That's different. Yeah. It's not the same. Well, yeah. Well, thank God because it doesn't sound like the tinny crap that comes out of our sometimes. And but let's not go there. Let's not fight. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what days are Westfest again? I think we mentioned them earlier, but we're in that promo part of the show. April 29th, 30th, May 1st and 2nd. And I th- I do think uh, I'm gonna be a little, you know, uh, outlets is, you know, Kevin Lee-ish here for a second. Uh, the Imaginary in My Way podcast not only starts off West Fest with the uh, Libation Mixer at the uh, Lost Bar, it also ends West Fest with the Midnight Ride of the Jungle Cruise. So how about that? Bookends to West Fest. That's brought awesome. to you by Imaginary in My Way and the iTunes apps. How about that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. What All right, else? Do we yeah, nothing. Uh, nothing. That's it? Yeah. Oh, what about uh, – oh, we did that last time. We welcomed Park Hop and Party yes. to the uh, the DPN. Hit the forums. Uh, it's getting kind of boring. People need to talk, share. You know, I know Twitter's fun because you get an instant answer, but 
you know. Not always. I, well, well, what how I'm many people is, put crap out on Twitter and it's a black hole? You get nothing well, back. You know. I, I guess I I meant that. What I you know I said you you send it thinking you're going to have a lot of immediate contact, and sometimes you do. But you know, a, a person who's not watching it all day can't go back and help you or uh, carry on with that conversation. So get back into the forums. It's fun. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, That's awesome. Though I did hear, watch what you put on Facebook. It's not gone so well in some divorce courts for uh, a few people that (laughs) probably shouldn't have posted some pictures. But, you know, a little bit of advice. Nice. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. I heard, you know, typical KFI in-between segments thing. Facebook, bad for, you know, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) <laughs> Funny stuff. All right. All right. Uh, the, the banquet, have we still have time to buy discounted tickets? No, no. That is long, long ago. But tic- I'm not, you know, by the time this show releases, I, the banquet tickets might no longer be on sale. So. Oh, very well. Red Lion, right? Yes. Red Lion in? Yes. Entertainment uh, is. Skipper Stand Up. All right. David Marley and his crew. Sounds good. That should be fun. There and we got be- some other things. Some surprises. Some other surprises. Okay, sounds good. All right, well, just want to make sure we get that all in so we didn't forget. Uh, I don't know if there's any other promoting, uh, whoring out, or uh, pimping that we can do at this point, so I'm ready to say goodbye. Oh, good. Awesome. I'll say goodnight, too, then. (laughs) And and, (laughs) and Shakespeare said goodbye. Good. (laughs) Perfect.